Hi, welcome to the Inspired Painter Podcast. My name is Jessica Libor, and I am a Philadelphia-based artist, curator, and art professor, as well as artist coach. In this podcast, I cover topics vital to the success of emerging and established artists, like inspiration, mindset, art business relationships, and artist career strategy. You'll also hear interviews from art world luminaries who share their wisdom. My goal for this podcast is for you to feel encouraged, inspired, and in control of your art career, and to help you become the best artist that you can be. Hello, Stephanie, and nice to see you this morning. Morning. It's so good to see you too. Yes. (laughs) How are you today? I am peachy. It's been a quiet morning. The kids are off to school. So uh, we had like a couple days off last week because of snow. We live in Alabama. There was no snow. (laughs) It's been nothing but rain. Okay. We're not prepared for snow. uh, We definitely got snow up here. So it was a winter wonderland up here for a while in Pennsylvania. So um, yeah, it was fun. But but that's nice. A snow day is nice whether or not there is snow, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had a good time. So, you know, no school is great. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. And how many how many children do you have? Oh, just two. They're um, one's almost 13 and the other one's 15. So, you know, they slept majority of the time and then played games the majority of the time. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. Awesome. And um, so so welcome, Stephanie, to the podcast. Why don't you just tell our listeners um, who you are and what you do. You're an artist, but you also do some other things too. So why don't you just tell us about it? Sure. Um, so I, I'm originally like an oil painter, but my background, um, I was in the corporate world for about 15 years where I managed a team of project managers and we did software implementation for, and I worked for IBM, UPS, and ADP. And so that's kind of how I got started into oil painting was um, because I needed a creative outlet. And it just progressed into not necessarily a need for a creative outlet, but a a need that I wanted to do for life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, about 15 years later, uh, my husband got deployed and we to Afghanistan and we decided that I need, I was more needed at home. Mm -hmm. And so from those points, um, the art business really developed. Uh, I focused on pet portraits. Mm-hmm. And which I still do and give 10% nonprofit animal welfare organizations. Oh, and is that a pet portrait in the background there? The mouse? Oh, the little mouse. Uh, he was for fun. So okay. He's called Cheese. Um, so, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been on mice lately. Um, so, like mice, lions, mm-hmm. animals I just love. I understand them. So, <laughs> so that kind of started that. And then um, his second deployment is when I really got into the business side. And because I, I lived in corporate world, I've got an MBA, I've got another master's in project management and another, <laughs> and I'm PMP certified, which is a project management professional mm-hmm. certification. And so what I was noticing was this is a skill set that uh, a lot of artists don't necessarily have but it's a skill set. It's easily learned. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do now is I teach artists how to run their businesses efficiently so that they can have more time to create Mm -hmm. because 
good Lord, we all want to be in our studio or with our families way more than staring at spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Definitely. And it's so true that like when you have everything organized, you like don't have to worry about it as much. So you can yeah. actually be more present with your creative practice. Absolutely. Um, one of the courses I'm just releasing is um, all about time management to gain more creative time. Mm-hmm. And because we're all looking for those checklists. And I remember like, when I was first starting, okay, what do I need to do so I could just do those things mm-hmm. <laughs> and move on? Uh, and that's basically what I'm teaching artists how to do is here's how you create your checklist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're done, go have fun. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that I, I truly believe a lot of us become artists because we love the freedom yes. that we have when we get to create and the freedom that we have with our time, the flex time, because mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just not a typical nine to five. Right. Yeah. And it's, love it. it's, well, it's very much like an entrepreneur very and much. that like you're doing something you're super pra- passionate about, mm-hmm. but then there's also like other things to think about, like, well, there's no, you don't have a boss telling you what to do. So you really have to figure everything out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, that's part of it too. The reason I started the art business mem- membership is mm-hmm. so that you can talk with other artists because, mm-hmm. because you don't have a boss, that also means yes. you generally don't have a mentor. Right. And so back in the day, you know, like 1800, 1700s, artists would be apprenticeships. They would have a we don't do that anymore. And it's such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons uh, that really kind of started this thing so that, because I was mentoring a young lady, this was, I think we've known each other five years now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's 30 now. So, <laughs> um, and she didn't know that you could be an artist and not be on drugs. And because I remember when I first met her, she was high, like you could smell it on her. Mm-hmm. And I'm allergic, <laughs> funny story, I'm allergic to marijuana. So I could smell it like a mm-hmm. mile away. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and I could smell it on her. But when she, um, it was probably a good year after she met me that she was like, I didn't know that you could be an artist and not be on something. And, um, and she's like, I didn't know that you could be an artist and have a family with a white picket fence, so to speak. We don't have a white picket fence, but that's what she said. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you can do anything you want to. Mm-hmm. Just because the way that society says something about us doesn't mean that's the way that we're defined. And, yeah. and she, she's really come a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting goosebumps kind of thinking about her because we had another conversation recently and she's, you know, it takes a while being an artist trying to figure out for for some of us, it takes us a while to figure out exactly where we want to go because there's so many opportunities out there. Yeah. Yeah. The art world is like the, it's like the wild west. There's like, there's like so many different opportunities and there's so many different directions you can go. And then also like you can really create your own career these days like through social media and like um like you can create your own company vibe like like without like having to ride anybody's coattails you know what I mean um like not even like a gallery um so yeah that's really interesting and that's so great that you were able to um inspire that young lady and um yeah I know that we wanted to talk about 
um, you know, the process of accessing our creativity and then also like, um, also like the stereotype of artists always having to, um, you know, need like some kind of substance or something to be um, highly creative because it, there is, um, there is definitely a precedent for that. I mean, throughout a lot of history, a lot of the great artists have had like substance abuse problems and, you know, it's not well publicized because people don't want to believe that like the person who did this great thing also like was an alcoholic, you know, and, um, and, you know, the same thing goes for writers or like a lot of people in the creative realms, um, singers, song, you know, songwriters, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've wondered why that is. And I think that, I think that part of it may be that, um, a lot of artistic kind of personalities tend to feel things really deeply. And then, um, this, this substance could become like an escape and a way to make themselves feel good and like a self self-soothing mechanism, um, to like maybe not feel as much. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think you're a hundred percent spot on. Um, okay. I know I had my own little kind of substance, not little kind of, it was a substance abuse problem. Um, and it was something that I didn't, it, the way I kind of correlate it to is nobody has intention to get fat. <laughs> it's one of those things that happens over time and every little morsel that you get just tasted good. So you keep eating and keep eating. Same thing with the drinking. And that's what it was for me. It was the alcohol and specifically wine. And um, I would, and I wouldn't do it for creativity, but I would do it for the silencing of the the in, inner talk. You know, I'm not good enough. Nobody cares. Why would I, who wants to listen to me about talking about this stuff? Who wants, you know, all that negative talk that kind that I think so many of us have. Mm. And um, so I think you're hundred percent spot on about the, you know, kind of silencing that inner critic. Mm. And I think what took me probably about six months of journaling to really kind of get to the core of what the problem was. Mm-hmm. The, the problem was for me, and I think um, many people that I sp- speak to about this, it's um, a fear, a fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And that, so that good, not good enough and all that. Mm-hmm. It's a way to silence that because with some sort of substance, you're able to feel unhindered mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. you're able to shut up that inner voice. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, there was a lot of work and journaling and just kind of the, the inner asking why, why, why am I afraid? Where did this come from? You know, uh, you know, in breaking it down and really understanding um, what was the point that you started being reliant on that substance Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was, it's not an easy thing. It's, mm-hmm. it, and, but it can be done. It mm-hmm. can hundred percent be done, but it is a, when, um, when I first started t- like 
thinking about all this stuff and, you know, you see the stuff on TV about, oh, it's a day to day, you know, and, and unless you live it, you think they're full of crap. <laughs> it's like whiplash. I didn't know whiplash was a real thing until I got in a car accident, mm. you know? Um, so it's one of those things that it is a daily decision. It's all in, in the beginning, it's a minute by minute decision. Mm. And, um, you have to disassociate yourself in so many ways from everything that you're used to. And what I mean by that is um, even watching TV, Mm -hmm. seeing somebody drink a glass of wine, it's Mm -hmm. just like, oh God, that sounds so good. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, and, but, and so you had to turn it off. And then when you went through the, when I went through the work of understanding why did it look so good? And then why are they drinking on TV? Mm-hmm. And a majority of the time it was because they were upset and they mm-hmm. were trying to silence their fears or the emotions. The other one was celebration. We'll find another reason to ce- find another way to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason was they were sad. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this is a depressant. It's just going to make you sadder. And then you're going to yeah. feel like crap the next day. There's no good reason, mm-hmm. none. And, mm-hmm. and now when I watch TV, I can see all of that when I watch somebody drink and I'm like, you know, they're just drowning their sorrows. They're not going to find the answer at the bottom of that glass. Mm-hmm. The answer's yeah. within every single time. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. I went on a little bit of a, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, yeah. I know that, that that's, that must not be easy to go back to that point and to think about, you know, how that happened for you. But um, that's amazing that you were able to like, first of all, that you were able to even recognize and kind of own within yourself that like, hey, this is a problem, you know, because I think that kind of the hallmark for people who are addicted to something is that they don't believe that they have an addiction. Would you say that that's correct? Yeah, I I think there's a lot of self-denial. I I believe, I, I think they do know. If they have an inkling, if they have somebody that's near and dear to them that's questioning them and then they move from doing it socially to doing it alone mm-hmm. that's that's the really the big signifier you know because it's no longer a socially acceptable to the level that they're doing it mm-hmm. then they start moving into alone so that they won't be judged and feel like they're failing again mm-hmm. but when it kind of kind of circle back I guess a little bit to the creativity side um when you feel like you have to have this as part of your ritual mm-hmm. um you know I've I kind of got I started seeing this when um I was reading this book and I, I brought it up this morning because it's like get it fresh and got it highlighted and all that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it's called um uh what is it called daily habits mm-hmm. of artists let's see get out of this okay daily rituals how artists work mm-hmm. when I got this book several years ago before I even really kind of figured I got a problem uh, I got it because I really wanted to understand what made artists successful because mm-hmm. when you can uh, kind of identify things you know logically you can break it down reverse engineer and do the same thing type thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I was reading in some of these, and this is uh, rituals, uh, how artists work. It's very short little uh, notes about individual artists. And 
they a lot of them relied on uppers and downers. They would go use downers to go to sleep. They would get uppers to go do the work and, you know, forensically, I'm doing air quotes, forensically work for a period of time. And I'm just, I don't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I would know artists that they would, part of their ritual to engage with a canvas was pour a glass of wine, turn on the music, Mm -hmm. um, you know, get their paints ready. And one time they didn't have their a beverage of choice and they're like oh I can't do it now mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's a wee bit of a problem <laughs> so yeah um yeah I think I think that's a good a good point when you um like one way to know if if it is an issue is like can you do it without it or like right. um if you usually have a glass of wine you know how do you feel without it or like if you go a week without it can you go a week without it or does it become like this urge? And then you're like, well, I shouldn't be, have to deny myself, you know? Um, <clears throat> I think that's when, you, you know, you should look at it. Um, so for me, I've never had any issues with alcohol. Um, I've only been drunk once in my life. Um, and yeah. Smart girl. But, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think that part of it is like, maybe it's like a personality thing, but I, I don't like the feeling of like being out of control of my body. And, um, and when I did have enough alcohol to like feel tipsy, I remember being like, wow, I mean, this feels good. It feels good. It feels like you're like swimming in like bliss or something, but it also feels like I, you know, my, I could tell that like my reaction time wasn't as good. I could tell that like, I don't know, I I just didn't feel safe. Um, like when I was walking down the street, um, I was like, wow, um, you know, I feel like I'm not like as aware of my surroundings and I don't know. I I just didn't like that feeling of being out of control. And so I, I, you know, I will have like, I'll have alcohol every once in a while, like just like socially. But for me, it's like, I always tell whoever I'm with, I'm like, I can only have an inch um, because I, (laughs) I can't, I I don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like the feeling of, of being drunk, I guess. But, um, but some people do like that feeling and they're like, yes, you know, let's get drunk, you know, let's get wasted. And, um, you know, I, I went to art school and, um, I mean, a lot of people who also went to art school, I I would see it. Like there was lots of drug use and there was lots of, um, there was lots of alcohol use and there was lots of um, marijuana use, which is now a debatable topic, whether that's like a drug or if it's like a medicine. And so it's kind of like, um, uh, there was just a lot of substances that were going on. And, um, and, but there was a feeling that there was also, it wasn't like, it actually didn't feel celebratory to me. It actually felt like, um, it felt like, it felt like an escape. Like they were using this because like they actually weren't happy, you know, in their life. So they were using it as an escape to like escape their reality. Um, which to me just felt like you you're like avoiding like the real issues that need to be addressed, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people they'll do some sort of, you know, 
whether it's alcohol, weed or whatever, whatever the group is doing, they generally do it to feel socially accepted Mm -hmm. or it's like a social lubricant. So they don't feel as um, uptight about interacting. And as artists, we are generally introverts. Yes. And I'm an introvert. Yeah. And, so <laughs> yeah. So, and that was part of it is like having a glass of wine to, to be relaxed around people. And mm-hmm. so then if you feel that way, then you kind of really have to start asking, why am I uptight? Why am I about being around people? What am I so worried about? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the funny thing is a lot of times it's uh, fear of saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. or not um being part of the group yeah but the more (laughs) the more you do like the more wasted you are and no matter what the uh, substance is the more likely you are going to say something stupid (laughs) I mean that's a good point (laughs) that's the the funny part of it but then everybody else is all probably hammered and everything they're not going to remember it Mm -hmm. but then you wake up the next morning thinking oh my god what did I say was mm-hmm. I stupid? Did I embarrass myself? Mm-hmm. Did I embarrass my friends? And then it becomes even more worrisome. Yeah. It, it, it's, there's really not a winning situation, I think, yeah. to do any of this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm older, like I'm, I'm 46 now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, uh, I'm not one of, I'm not one of the kids in college anymore <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel that social pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was as much anymore. I mean, there's a few like art gallery openings that I'll go to. And I remember when I first said that, yeah, I'm not drinking. And, um, uh, one of the ladies, she was like, Oh, Stephanie, you want some, you want a glass of wine? I was like, no, thank you. And she's like, Oh, why not? And I said, Cause I've decided I'm not drinking anymore. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Oh, really? Why? Like, <laughs> I was just like, well, I just decided I'm not intentionally trying to poison myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really like the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was the, that was like the, the real, one of the real reasons was because, you know, as an introvert, <laughs> as an artist, we are constantly questioning ourselves. And I think it just as anybody, we're constantly questioning ourselves about, you know, why am I not, why am I doing this? Uh, I should be doing that. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I had a ton of ideas, like all the time. I still have a ton of ideas all the time. Mm -hmm. And the drinking and all that was part of silencing all that. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I could, could just relax. Mm -hmm. And so then it was breaking down. Why can't I relax? And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, yeah, facing those like actual, like the actual issues that like yes. made you want to drink. Yeah. Right. Well, and then I got to thinking, I was like, why am I trying to silence my brain? Mm-hmm. I am very, I, I don't mean to like toot my own horror, but I am really smart. <laughs> why would I want to, you know, squelch all these ideas? Mm-hmm. And, and then all boiled down to was like, I didn't think I was good enough to do the ideas. Mm, yeah yeah I think yeah and that's I think a lot of people feel that way or a variation on it like um whether it's drinking or drugs or um you know whatever they're involved in um it's to to calm that feel to calm 
and make, um, make the painful thoughts and feelings go away or make them seem less painful to, because our, our minds are pleasure seeking. Like, like as humans, we seek pleasure because, um, like our bodies and our minds give us dopamine rewards for things that reward furthering the species, like, um, eating or, um, you know, talking to a friend or, you know, connecting with a partner or, um, uh, what else? Like if you're in a beautiful location, like these are all things that give you dopamine, but, um, but then the thing about drugs and alcohol is that it, it gives you dopamine for, um, for no reason. So you then become like, well, I need that thing, dopamine where that, that only that can provide, but that's not true. It's just hacking your brain. Whereas like you actually, your brain is naturally designed to like seek out, um, these actual experiences in life that are supposed to naturally give you don't dopamine. So like the dopamine is within you. It's just mm-hmm. like, you don't actually need the drugs to feel it. You just need to like, um, you, you need to find other ways to get it. In other words, yeah. what, what would but, you say to that? Well, I, I think you're spot on. Um, like I know you're a runner mm-hmm. and so you get that runner's high when you're done and you just yeah. feel it invigorated and it's so rewarding when you do something that's so natural to you Mm -hmm. and that that makes it even more worth it you know absolutely yeah it's all um, within you I will also say that like I get some of my ideas for paintings when I'm running or like when I'm just done running like yeah and I started to realize that and like kind of intentionally run with the idea of like let's see what my brain comes out with you know while this running session so I'll I'll run and it's like different um different ideas will come to the surface it's like it's shaking your brain up it's shaking your mind up and um as you have those endorphins throwing your flowing through your body um it just helps you think in a different way think helps you think more creatively and for me and yeah I do feel like this high at the end of a lot of running sessions, not all of them. Right. Um, so you kind of do it to get through it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna get, get through this. But um, yeah, if if I'm having a really good run, and it's, especially if it's like a beautiful day, and I'm like running on the trails, there is this like amazing feeling where it's like you're like queen of the world or something, and you can like conquer anything. And um, I get all these like inspirations. But also for me, something that really helps me to um, unlock my creativity is um, meditation Um, and just like um, not with any particular uh, religion, the the meditations, but mostly the the meditation is just to um, to visualize and to um, to kind of get to, to unlock the subconscious mind. That's usually my goal. If I'm, if I'm like meditating for the purpose of getting inspiration, then that my goal is to like unlock my subconscious mind, because I know that my subconscious mind holds like images from my entire life, every painting I've ever seen, you know, every experience I've ever had. And I, what I want to do is like bring the, the best ideas to the surface and like kind of rearrange them into my own version of creativity. And 
sometimes I can't do that with my analytical mind. And I just want, I want my subconscious mind to kind of like do the work and just like give me these visions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and it does work. It, it sounds kind of like mystical, but um, you know, I think that it, it does the same thing as like taking a drug. <clears throat> well, it, it serves the same purpose doesn't do the same thing but it serves the same purpose as like taking a drug to be creative if you have that intention um because what you're doing is accessing parts of your brain that you don't normally access right um and but it's not like damaging to your body or brain it's actually like really a positive thing um so i don't know for anybody out there who's like well yeah but i need to i like to take this or that just, it just helps me be more creative. It's like, well, there's other ways to access that, um, that where you don't need a substance. It may not be as easy to get to that point, or it may not be as fast. And that's where, um, I think there's some like pushback. Right. Well, uh, you definitely, there, there's anything that's going to be worthwhile is going to take time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these, the get rich quick, the, you know, lose 10 pounds in uh, two weeks, you know, use uh, mushrooms or I don't know, mushrooms or, or LSD. I saw that on one of the forums on it. And it's there, you know, use LSD to mm-hmm. get creative. Anything that you use to get to a point that you want that's fast Mm-hmm. is generally going to be unhealthy mm-hmm. for you in the long run. I mean, that, that goes for the diets, it goes get to the get rich, it goes for the drugs. But when you do the work mm-hmm. of going within, mm-hmm. like what you were talking about, the meditation, the running, I do a lot of journaling, um, you know, fast drawing, knowing that you're going to rip it up and throw it away. Mm-hmm. Whatever you have to do to get your inner self to express itself outerly, you know, outerly, there's a word, um, <laughs> but in, what do you need to do to express your inner self creatively, creativity? Wow. I'm having a hard time here. Creatively. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Whatever you have to do to bring your inner self and express it creatively in a healthy way, that's mm-hmm. not going to alter your brain in a mm-hmm. negative way. Mm-hmm is going to take work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's, there's an analogy that I like where, you know, uh, using a crutch to walk is expected when you are injured. Mm-hmm. And when you use these substances, you are in some way injured. Mm-hmm. But if you ever want to run, you can't do that with crutches. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to release the crutches so that you can release and run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's such a beautiful analogy. I love that. It's so true. Now, um, what would you say to people? Now, what about what about this? So um, I, I just want to be clear on my position in that I don't think I don't think substances are inherently wrong um, or like bad. I think that they are neutral and that there's some instances where they can be used for for good and properly. Um but that's, that's my own particular viewpoint. Um, just like from my own experiences. And then 
what about people who like, um, you know, people who have chronic pain, who have like found real relief with some of these substances or, um, you know, there's also like, um, like the, the ayahuasca movement where people are like opened up to things that they've never realized about themselves. And it's like in a very controlled environment and it's only administered like within this certain, like, um, you know, retreat, stuff like that, um, where people have like these life-changing experiences because it opens them up to like, um, something spiritual or some, some aspect of themselves that they didn't realize. Um, I don't know. Have you had any kind of like, um, what are your thoughts about that? I personally haven't had any experiences with it. So it's um, hard for me to gauge that. Mm-hmm. But I know with the medicinal reasons, mm-hmm. that's um, medicinal. And there, there becomes a point where, you know, is it for pain maintenance or is it because of perceived pain? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, if it's perceived pain, that's when it shifts. Mm. Um, what is the what do you think the difference is uh perceived pain it's uh in your mind (laughs) and whereas like a physical pain like uh you know cancer Mm -hmm. those guys are going through a lot of pain and if they smoke marijuana um if they have some sort of you know morphine opium based you know drug Mm -hmm. to manage the pain Mm -hmm. that's I think that's completely acceptable because yeah. that was, you know, prescribed by a doctor right. it's when they start abusing it after mm-hmm. the pain has subsided and, uh, but they think they can't live without it. Right. Okay. That's I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, right. Now, <clears throat> now what, what would you say to people who maybe listen to this podcast and they're like, well, I really enjoy, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Um, but I don't know that I'm like addicted. How do you know that you're addicted or maybe not addicted, but you have like a dependence or something you should look at? What are some like signs? Sure. So I I think part of it is, you know, do you feel that you need it to be creative or do you need it to do X, you know, (laughs) you know, X, Y, Z, if you need it to perform, then I think it's got uh, a perceived addiction. Mm-hmm. If you feel that you have to hide it or do it alone, that's mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said, you know, you can't tell your mom about it, then you're probably shouldn't be doing it type mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> um, do you feel, and that kind of goes into the third one. So do you feel ashamed by saying or telling people, uh, what you do? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that kind of any of those, there means it, there is an underlying problem. And mm-hmm. it's really something you probably need to dig deep. And then you mentioned earlier about, you know, can you stop for like five days? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I found out is how your body processes uh, drugs and stuff. It lasts longer than five days. About oh. the fifth day, if you're addicted, about the fifth day is when your body starts going through withdrawals and, you know, sweats, shaking, uh, nightmares, things like that. So you really have to push past even five days. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole quarantine idea, which is 40 days, 
is when true change starts to happen. Oh, really? Okay. I've never heard of this. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you, you think that it's 21 days. I don't know where 21 days came from when you creating a habit, Mm -hmm. 21 days is just kind of solidifying that this is a way that I want to move forward. The 40 days is when, um, true change starts to happen and your body kind of readjusts and recalibrates to the new you. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes longer than what we think. Mm-hmm. Wow. Even with sugar. I mean, sugar, if you give up sugar, like my husband's going through withdrawals right now. <laughs> and poor guy, he's uh, got headaches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was felt bad for him. Like the first couple of days, um, he was fine. And then like the third day, small headache happened. Fourth day, migraine. Mm. and and then even after that there's more that you have to think about because you know social events yeah what do you normally do at social events you got to find a different way to interact Um, so it's much much longer than just five days Mm -hmm. it's you know your first holiday your first thanksgiving your first christmas your first mother's day Mm -hmm. you know your your first everything is a new way of interacting mm-hmm. without whatever substance that you're using yeah um, do you find did you find or did you have a like an accountability partner or like uh somebody somebody to like help you uh, when you were going through this yourself because I feel like if I was going through this that would help me a lot like prepare for like okay I'm going to this event like um you know this is how I'm going to interact I'm not going to drink this you know in the beginning, I did not. So like, I, mine was my fifth day. Um, I, let's see, I had nightmares at night. I thought it was like the devil was chasing my children <laughs> type, type nightmare. And I woke up sweaty and everything. And um, I was going to a, a book club meeting. Mm-hmm. And when I was just kind of sitting there and I was thinking, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to stop off on the way home and get a box of wine at Walmart. And I'm just done um but uh, at the book club the lady right across sitting from me and I was half paying attention <laughs> because I was already already checked out I, uh, at the time I was president of the Huntsville Art League and they uh, let's just say that was challenging all in itself <laughs> mm-hmm. but so and I had like a really bad experience there um then she just started talking she's like 160 days uh, no alcohol. And it was just one of those moments where, you know, you see it in TV where the whole room just, yeah. <laughs> it just flies right by you. And it was just like hundred percent focused on her. And she was just went on to tell her story. And she's like, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this right now, but I just feel like somebody needs to know it. And I was wow. like, oh, I just no. got chills. I broke down crying mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point. I was like, I'm on day five and I want to give up so bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, just keep going. This is the worst part. And so we're still friends. And this is like over two years ago. Sorry, that kind of got a little teary out on that one. But um, that was almost two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, almost three years ago. I'll be three years in June. And mm-hmm. so 
so that really helped, but I never went to AA. I actually called them mm -hmm. and that was a funny conversation <laughs> because I just called them and I was like, I read the book, you know, you can get it on your Kindle and it's, um, you pay an initial fee. And then I think they like refund you your money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, anyway, I read, read it just overnight and, um, and I resonated with some of the stories. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important kind of education factor is find something, find resources mm -hmm. and read it, talk to people. Cause I called them like the next day and I was like, so uh, how does this work? Do you just show up? <laughs> it's like that. And the guy, he was like, um, so is this for yourself? Is it court ordered? Are you a family member? And those mm -hmm. are questions I never thought about before. Yeah. <laughs> and um <laughs> well now I'm pretty sure I'm an alcoholic mm -hmm. and he's like okay have you read the book and uh, did you resonate with any of the stories and I said yeah I read it I did resonate with the stories mm -hmm. and he's like okay then here's the meetings that I would you know recommend and he gave me like the times and he, he talked to me probably about 30 minutes mm -hmm. and um but I decided not to go to the meetings because mm -hmm. of my personality my personality is one where I am a fixer and I want to help other people. Mm -hmm. And I knew if I went there, I would shift the focus from me to try and helping them. And mm -hmm. I was the one that needed help. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think at that point, yeah, I was five, maybe six days in and I called, uh, my husband was in Russia at the time. Mm -hmm. And um he came home and we took the kids, uh, took the dogs for a walk, <laughs> the other kids, our dogs for a walk. And, <laughs> and I, I told him, um, so I'm on day seven, uh, no alcohol. And uh, he's, you don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I really do. And <laughs> he was like, no, well, you can probably just drink on weekends and stuff. It'll be fine. And uh, he's like, you never seem out of it. That's okay. I am a high functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. and there's like out there, there's, there are people that you would not know. Yeah. Have an abuse, a, a substance abuse Yeah, because they're high functioning. They're overachievers. Mm -hmm. They, you know, know what they need to do and they get it done. Mm -hmm. And I was the same way. And I told, I uh, told Ben, I was like, it's no offense to you guys. I'm not upset with you at all. This is all on me. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one of those things that nobody was really paying attention. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have a glass of wine and it just never got empty mm -hmm. because I would just refill it. It's one of the tricks. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, and he was like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. You did. You, you seem fine. I was like, no, I was, I don't remember a single uh, Avengers movie. Mm. And he was like, Oh, mm. <laughs> and that's what it really kind of dawned on him that this was for real. And then, um, I think it was like three months later, we were at a Mexican restaurant and, um, I was like, you can get a margarita. It's totally fine. And uh, I said, I'll drive home. And he's mm -hmm. like, you're really never going to drink again. Are you? I said, nope. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Good uh, for you. Was, wow. I, was like, I feel so much better. Like I look at your cheekbones, you have beautiful cheekbones. Oh, that, that was something that like my cheekbones started coming back. I had no idea how much inflammation I had in my body. Really? I lost, like, oh, wow. 
I had, I lost like eight pounds within the first month mm -hmm. because of all the inflammation. And I had, wow. I know that stuff they don't really talk about. Well, and that's the other thing, like, um, like if you're involved with any sort of, um, you know, alcohol, um, marijuana, any kind of drugs, um, they all have such an impact on your physical body, not just your brain. So they have an impact on your brain, which is why you want to take them because they cause, you know, this feeling of euphoria, but they also have a detrimental effect on your body. And, um, you know, oh, well, I know a lot about weed now, but, um, weed is not quite as bad, but it, it's still like, if you, um, if you smoke it, it like destroys your lungs, especially if you are a, um, you know, if you smoke several times a day or even like every day, it really, it's like, it's like, it's like nicotine. Um, it's like being a smoker. Um, so it does, it does the same kinds of stuff to your lungs. Um, so when you, and then it also stays in your bloodstream for like, you know, a long time, like several days. So, and the same goes for any drugs, um, some drugs longer than others. There's like different timelines um, and alcohol is the same. Um, and of course, like there's so many horrible side effects of like drinking alcohol every day, like the, the fatty liver. And um, there's, there's just everything that you do, everything you ingest has like, has a reaction, has a chemical reaction in your body. And, um, and yeah, it doesn't just affect your mind, uh, which I also want to like touch on a few other things, if that's okay. Um, like, I, I just wanted to say like drugs and alcohol are not the only things that you can be addicted to um, because you can be addicted to things that are not addictive. Like um, you can be addicted to your phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that even gives you that euphoric feeling yeah. of, you know, how many hearts did I get? Mm -hmm. And then if you're not, didn't get as many hearts as you wanted, then it suddenly makes you feel bad. I know the kids have a major problem with that nowadays. Yeah, they, absolutely. They put their self-worth in mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. Like th this, um, this alternate reality of like the, um, the metaverse, well, it doesn't have to be the metaverse, but just like the <laughs> internet in general, yeah. um, is, is like, like, who are you online? And it's almost like, that's more important than who you are in like real life and like your actual real life. And I've gone through, um, I'm going through like several weeks detox actually with Instagram right now, because, um, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like I was spending too much time like with that. And I just wanted to like actually work on like the heart of my business and like kind of just detox from that. And it's so nice to just like feel that privacy of my life kind of like coming back to me. Um, so yeah, you can be addicted to your phone. You can be addicted to, um, couponing. You can be addicted to, um, you know, shopping. Um, you can be addicted to cleaning. You can be addicted to, um, watching TV. Um, you can be addicted to so many things. And, you know, I think that, I think that you have to really like sit with yourself and be honest and really be like, well, is this an addiction or is this, um, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like anything you do like multiple times a day, every day is something to look at. Not that that's like an addiction, but it mm -hmm. is 
something to look at, like what is my motivation for doing this? Why am I doing this? How much time am I spending on this? Um, am I ashamed of this? Am I proud of this? Um, how is this helping my life? How is this destroying my life? How does this impact my relationships? Is this causing strife in my relationships? And also like, um, how is it impacting the people that are close to me? Um, and then also like, how is it impacting my mental health? And yeah, I think also like a big reason for people to look at this is like, um, are, is this helping you live to your highest potential, like as a human being, not just as an artist, um, because you can make an amazing work when you're like super high on drugs and then, you know, it, it will just, you know, it will destroy you to continue that. So, and then it will be unsustainable. And instead of like an amazing long career, you'll have like, you, you would have created like one or two amazing paintings. So like the goal is sustainability. Um, and also like, you know, to live your best life. And, you know, you have to look at, is this thing going to destroy me in the long term and be really honest with that. And if you're not sure, you know, you can ask for feedback, all the people that are close to you in your life, or if you don't, you know, have people that you trust like that, you can go to a counselor, you know, get the opinions of several counselors. Um, if you're truly actually um, wanting to, you know, live a, you know, your, your, your best life, um, you know, the life that I believe you were created to live, then, you know, it will be uncomfortable. It may be embarrassing to even look at this, but I think it'll be definitely worth it in the long run. And I'm speaking to people that may, you know, have an inkling that they have an issue or people that know that they have an issue, um, because, these are like amazing people who have such gifts to share with the world and, you know, who are just, you know, they have amazing personalities. They have like, you know, lovable souls. And these are people that maybe feeling are trapped in this addiction to this thing, whatever it may be. Um, and they're either in denial or they don't know what their other op options are you know, how do I achieve this feeling other than this thing? Who do I turn to? What do I do? Um, sorry, that was like, that was like a long time. No, it was good. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, as, as a kind of a, a pragmatic uh, approach to what are some of the ways that I can feel this? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would love to hear your thoughts. What are some of the ways that I, I can, I can achieve this feeling? Um, without having to turn to this thing? Like what, what would be some of the strategies that you would recommend? Sorry, I was actually trying to find a notebook. Um, I found this notebook the other day where I wrote down um, all of these things back oh, wow. at like three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. What could I do alternatively? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if it's drinking because or some sort of drug mm -hmm. some sort of drug or you know even your phone mm -hmm. when you reach for it why are you reaching for it? ask yourself why are you reaching for it what are some other healthier options that you could do mm -hmm. to, instead of reaching for that and write those things down mm -hmm. and then just kind of keep that list with you as a reminder for a while eventually the list is going to become ingrained because I, if, if you're bored, for example, mm -hmm. uh, I know there's a lot of like my, 
my husband, for example, he'll, he'll eat when he's bored. So, okay, <laughs> what are some things that you could do otherwise that are healthier for you? You can take the dogs for a walk. You can, you know, pull weeds, you know, things. There are other things that you enjoy that you can do without drinking or eating or, you know, uh, smoke, smoking, whatever it is, there are other things you can do. If it's a habit of uh, like drinking something, um, to wind down, mm -hmm. what are some alternative drinks, hot tea, hot chocolate, mm -hmm. um, hot chocolate's my new fave. And then, <laughs> you know, maybe like, a, you know, a hot coffee, something that still gives you that comfort that, yeah. comfort. Mm -hmm. um, so you just find alternatives for every one of those feelings that you would substitute that of substance with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, alternatives are so important. I was, um... <clears throat> if you get angry, oh, that was, that was another one on my list. When I got angry, mm -hmm. um, what are some things to do? I could walk, I could kickbox. Mm -hmm. I can, I can do some yoga. I can attempt to meditate, <laughs> I can, you know, and I, I made all the, those lists and then you just kind of go down one of them. Say, okay. This is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And just make a list. And yeah. And some of them need to be like, some of them could be like even super easy. Like, because a lot of times it's like, yeah, instead of looking at my phone, I'm going to go horseback riding. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to, you're, you're you know, you need something like really immediate. So mm -hmm. like, um, you know, instead of looking at my phone, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the laundry or I'm going to like, just like clean something or, um, read a book. Like, <laughs> yeah. Read a book. Yeah. Um, delete the app from your yeah. phone. Yeah. And that way, mm -hmm. you know, when you reach for the phone, mm -hmm. oh, well, let me, let me start this book again. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, get download a magazine. There's mm -hmm. all sorts of things that that phone has a use for other than mm -hmm. social media. Absolutely. Listen to, listen to a podcast like this. Call a friend. Yes. Call a friend even, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> have yeah. some real connection. A lot of times I think um, a lot of addictions come from a desire for connection. Yes. You know, you want to feel connected. You want to feel loved and um, there's nothing available to you at the moment or you don't feel that in your current situation. So you turn to something else to feel this numbness, which is better than feeling pain. And so, right. um, yeah. Um, or distraction, um, which is funny because you can also use distraction to get away from your, um, addiction. I think, you know, if, if you are feeling like an addiction, like, like you're feeling that pull, then you can, have a list of things to distract yourself with, like we we're talking about, um, kind of like a substitute um, that you can do instead. Um, puzzles, puzzles are a good one if you like yeah. puzzles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, this is so good. Oh my gosh, and it's I feel like it's such a um, it's kind of like a private topic that a lot of people don't talk about, and um. It, unless they are like truly having an issue, but I feel like there can be like milder forms of addiction that don't like take over people's lives, but they, they can hinder them from being their highest self. Um, yeah. Like, like if you do spend, you know, a couple hours a day on your phone, for instance, how much more could you, how much 
how much more self-actualized and a better person could you be if you were spending that time, you know, with friends or family, um, or if you were using it to like further your art career, how much further along could you be? So it's really about, um, it's not about punishing yourself either, because I think that can be a dangerous road to go down to, because we all need, um, like, we all do need like comfort and like, we do need like that time to check out. I mean, I think that's honestly why sleep exists. Um, it's just finding like, what is a healthy way to kind of check out and like get, well, the get really calm. Is the art has actually become that for me. Oh, yes. And, I love you know, that. It's, it's the, the one time now, whereas before, you know, you would drink or whatever to, to silence the voices now it's the art you know coming to the canvas is the most quiet place for mm. my mind and yeah. uh, you know there are times where I'll, I'll just have some nice music playing or there's like nothing at all mm -hmm. nothing just me and the canvas mm -hmm. and it's that's when I think you can hear things so much more clearly mm -hmm. and they're not negative mm -hmm. you know yeah. Um, I hope uh, my hope is that you know there, there's somebody out there that's listening to this right now who who might start to question am I do I have an addiction mm -hmm. and start walking the path to that inner the, rediscovering your true self mm -hmm. because you know she or he is in there mm -hmm. waiting for you to tap them and say okay I'm ready for you to come out now yeah. and release it because mm -hmm. they're waiting you know that that inner voice is mm -hmm. waiting to be heard and right now it's being silenced yeah and, and change is possible too yeah. change 100 possible mm -hmm. change happens all the time mm -hmm. and it happens i mean it's inevitable change is happening yeah. every second yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's moving you forward to to a position that you're meant to be Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Thank you, Stephanie. And, um, that this was so, this is, this is such an amazing conversation. And, um, I just wanted to, I know we're getting towards the end, so we have to wrap things up, but, um, would you tell me a little bit, um, about your program and where people can find you and, um, yeah, just anything you want to tell if people want to work with you further or, um, are curious about your art, just tell us all the things. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so you can go to stephanieweaverartist.com. You can also Google it, Stephanie Weaver Artist. And we have an art business membership program. I also teach uh, people how to oil paint via Zoom. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are classes that you can take mm -hmm. virtually, um, self-paced, or you can join our group. And um, for the art business membership, we have uh, frequent discussions, uh, ones around tech talk. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I work for UBS, IBM, ADP. I have extensive technical background. <laughs> so um, I hear a lot from artists that they're, quote, technical challenged. So mm -hmm. that's what we talk about. You know, Photoshop, Illustrator, um, Camtasia, OBS, whatever questions that you have about tech, uh, we're probably going to know it. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, we also have coffee and creates where you just show up with your fellow creatives and 
create something and chat and have a good time. Oh, I and love that. Yeah, that's all via Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then we've got our group coaching calls where it's myself, Jules McCullough, and uh, Eve Stats. She's a, a artist over in France and Saudi Arabia. So it's a group coaching call where all three of us are on the panel and somebody gets to sit in the hot seat and you know it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, our first one of those, because with last year we just had it where it was just group, like everybody chimed in. So mm-hmm. this is group coaching panel on February 2nd. And mm-hmm. we have these things every seven weeks. Mm-hmm. I'll explain that in a, in a minute. But, um, and then we have another one, it's called uh, Lunch and Learns, where I bring in an, an expert in the field to specifically talk about a specific topic. So, mm-hmm. and uh, for example, this week, we've got um, legal eagle, uh, Kipney Stayhill. She's a legal uh, lawyer, actually. Mm-hmm for creatives. So she knows everything about copyright law, trademark law, all those things. So every seven weeks, we bring in somebody specifically talk about some sort of creative aspect of of doing our job. Mm. And um, I do every seven weeks because um, on the uh, eighth, like one of the seventh week, I actually take a mini sabbatical. And it's where I don't do any work because as a probably self-proclaimed workaholic. (laughs) Um, I've recognized the need to withdraw from um, and just kind of focus on my creative aspects that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that voice that wants out and to help me because I'm so focused (laughs) on everybody else. Bless you. (laughs) Bless you. (laughs) So so I'm so focused on everybody else that this one, it's just me for seven Mm -hmm. days. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I have to be highly organized. We've got everything organized for the rest of this year. Oh, um, wow. For, uh, for yeah. the rest of 2022? Yeah, I had, um, so like I said, I used to be a program manager. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I manage projects. Oh my so, gosh, that's that's inspiring. My goodness. Yeah, so that's why I mean, I know how to do my time management very, very uh-huh. well. Um, so that's that's the course that's about to come out is how to do your own time management I have a handy dandy little cheat sheet um, for uh, your daily checklist mm-hmm. and it's, oh, it's so good. It is so good because I, when I was first started, I know I'm kind of getting off on tangent here. So, <laughs> but when I first got started with art, all I wanted was a checklist of everything I needed to do as art business. Mm-hmm. And I found all these generic ones like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, do social media. What was social media? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I actually get into great detail about each one of those components mm-hmm. and you know what to do. So anyway, Amazing. that's that's a lot of what we do is um, focus on on the growth and a balanced approach mm-hmm. to art business because it, your art business is more than just creating; it's your life yeah. and your family. Absolutely. And your art comes out of your state of mind. So you have to really take care of that, you know? Absolutely. So yeah. I, I have my first sabbatical next week. I'm so stinking excited. I'm exciting. So <laughs> um, fun. I'm going to play tennis. I'm going <laughs> to, because I love tennis. Um, yeah. yeah. That's great. Reconnect then, with myself. Yeah, definitely. And then what would you recommend for somebody who feels like they might have an addiction? Do you have any um, favorite resources, books, um, groups, anything that you might recommend? 
Yeah. Um, so if you, if it's a alcoholics, you know, if you think you're an alcoholic, definitely go get the AA book. Um, it's on Amazon. Check that out. Um, there's also a great podcast uh, called Euphoric Podcast, yeah. where uh, it's about living an alcohol-free life. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way to kind of get support and listen to stories that you might relate to. So I would find anything that you possibly can about whatever you think you might be addicted to mm -hmm. and listen and learn. Um, and, you know, and journal and write, you know, pray about it, whatever belief system that you have. Mm -hmm. um, ask for help. Mm -hmm. and help will be there. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say the same thing. And also I think being willing to like actually look at it and being honest with yourself is like the first start. Mm -hmm. And, um, that may take some like lesser, you know, um, it may take some discarding of your pride, like that you mm -hmm. have it under control. So, oh, um, right. yeah, I think that's like the biggest step. And then, um, I just want to add that there's also um, there's also groups for children of Alcoholics Anonymous. So if you grew up in um, an alcoholic home, there's actually groups um, for AA, but they're actually for children of adult children of um, alcoholics. And because a lot of the ways that you um, you may have learned, you may have learned like kind of dysfunctional patterns in your own life and you're not sure what the issue is, um, that you may have learned dysfunctional patterns if you grew up in a home of alcoholics, even if you don't you know, do alcoholism yourself. Um, there, there's groups for that. And there's also groups for um, <clears throat> um, Marijuana Addiction Anonymous. It's like by the same alcoholics AA. Um, so there's also that, and they're usually like in every chapter um, throughout you know, every city. So I just wanted to throw that out there too. And they're, they're all free. Um, they're all anonymous. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. And I do want to say one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, admitting that you have a problem is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. Mm -hmm. So be strong in yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. This was such an amazing conversation. And um, yeah, I just hope that, um, you know, we're, we're all vulnerable to um, dependence and addictions in so many forms. And, you know, we're all only human. And um, I think that being able to look at this with just like clear eyes and being honest with ourselves is, um, is so important. And, um, and, you know, if you are struggling with addiction, then you know, you're not a bad person um, for struggling with it, or you're not a weak person. And, um, and I just wanted to say that as well. Um, you know, everyone struggles in their own way. So um, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I will put all the links that you mentioned in the show notes. And, um, and yeah, um, this was so wonderful chatting. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I just love your podcast. I love the light and energy that you have and your positivity. So I, just, uh, I gravitated to you. So thank you for having me. Aww, Stephanie, thank you so much. We'll have a wonderful start to your new year and I will talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Inspired Painter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate you leaving a five-star review with your experience. This helps other people discover the podcast who might be encouraged by it as well. And if you are interested in booking a coaching call with me to create a plan for your art career and overcome limits that may be holding you back, please visit the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Instagram at Jessica Libor Studio. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, stay inspired.